Hello, and welcome to episode 28 of the Mo Money Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Very excited to share today's episode with you where I interview my longtime friend, Riley Maruyama. I found out recently that he crushed his debt. He paid all of his student debt off. And I knew we needed to chat with him about what he's been up to, what his personal finance journey has been since we graduated film school together. And so very excited to talk to him for this episode today. Thanks, Riley, for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me, Jess. You're welcome, Riley. I don't know if you remember this, but um, back several years ago when I want to say when um, I had left that um, basement suite, and right. then you moved in and you roomed with one of our mutual friends. Yep. You're the you mentioned podcasting to me, and before that, I had no idea what podcasting was. And I think you had the idea to start one with a friend. I'm not sure if you ever did. Did you ever start a podcast? Uh, one episode and kind of petered out. It was a flash. <laughs> Well, that's too bad. But yeah, you're actually the one that uh, mentioned podcasting to me and all these years later now I started one. But it's funny because when I was about to start one, I actually thought of you because I remembered that conversation we had. That's awesome. Thank you. So maybe you had a hand in inspiring me to start this podcast. You can take some credit if you like. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's all you because it's it's definitely you and all your talents on that side. (laughs) Thanks, Riley. Yeah. Okay. So the reason I wanted to have you on the show is went to film school together. I've known you for about a decade now, which is makes yeah. me feel really old. But oh. um, we know each other really well. And uh, you recently paid off a, all of your student loan debt, which is amazing. Yeah, thanks. And I think uh, your story is very relatable. A lot of people out there, um, you know, there's a lot of stories out there from bloggers and podcasters about these people that, you know, have these huge success stories of paying $100,000 in debt uh, in just a year. Whereas you're kind of like, well, you had $35,000 in student loan debt and you took a little bit more time to do it, but you were able to do it. It wasn't like a, a crazy scheme you did. You were just smart with your money and kind of focused, put your focus on paying down your debt totally. and then eventually crushed it, which I think is a little bit more realistic than some of those kind of crazy stories of paying off debt in like a year when I'm like, I, how do you, how much money do you actually make? Yeah. So let's, um, I want to kind of start from the beginning. So we we're kind of uh, talking earlier before I hit the record button that you went to school in I believe Alberta for a year, yeah. but you didn't take any student loans debt on. And then when you decided to move to BC and go to Simon Fraser university, um, for the film program, that's when you had to take on some debt, Yeah, right? totally. So basically, after that one year in uh, Alberta, I, had, I moved out to Vancouver and then suddenly just had that much more for uh, having to, that, that much more expenses for having to get rent, uh, going to school, um, transportation, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, it's not cheap to live in that city <laughs> either. So, Still and especially is. during the program that we did, it wasn't like a normal you know, oh, you have to pay tuition to books. It's like, you also have to pay for your film projects, which are very expensive. It can be, yeah. Uh, can be, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's ways to work around it. But I mean, my grad film cost me $5,000. So. See, and I was on the other end where I, I think mine cost me 500 
Oh, you're so smart. Uh, yeah, that's I'm- true. I mean, yeah, there are definitely ways to work around. I actually, it's funny that you mentioned that. I just remembered your grad film and I really liked it because you were the one who um, dis- oh, sort of discovered QR codes. You're like, guys, this is going to be a big thing. And you were like the one who mentioned it. And it was a big thing like a year later. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, it's. Uh, I'm always <laughs> just ahead of it, not enough to capitalize on anything. <laughs> Damn it. That's all right, though. It's, uh, it's, it's fine with me. <laughs> yeah. So uh, do you take four years or five years to do your bachelor's degree at SFU? It took about five years, and I did like three classes per session. So I was, was classified as a full-time student so I could get the loans and all that. But then I also... But you still worked, right? Yeah. You still worked while you were going to school. Exactly. Yeah. Just needed a little bit of extra income to cover the basis. And uh, yeah, so that was that was my game plan. Mm-hmm. And so after you graduated um, with a film degree, what what actually um, did you're like, all right, now I'm going to, you know, pay off the student loan debt or what was kind of your mind frame where you're kind of like, uh, I'll get to it. Let me just focus on finding my career path or what was kind of your mentality at that point? Yeah, it was. Well, first off, it was probably just to land a job because like uh, yeah. surprisingly right out of school, you you kind of have this like uh, thought that, oh, it'll just happen like naturally and you'll just get a job and it'll just all come up to you like almost on a silver platter. But it was uh, kind of tough to go by. And so it was it was really about like selling yourself and learning how to do the business side of your of your career without ever having really mm-hmm. uh, any kind of class in that. So that was that was a big that was a big thing, especially when, that was a big learning curve. Yeah. Knowing how, how much to sell yourself for basically like uh, what you, what's the going rates for freelancing. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's there were a lot of opportunities that I kind of almost put myself at a at a disadvantage for like funds just to like be able to land the job. So you're kind of uh, underselling yourself just because you weren't sure how much to, you know, charge and, and you just wanted the job for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. What were your kind of first gigs out of school? Just curious. Uh, first gigs. Um, I ended up working with a fellow uh, named David Carter, a great guy. He, uh, and mm-hmm. we worked on these, uh, to uh, a few different projects we worked on one that was like uh the uh light box installations at the Kiefer restaurant so we both mm-hmm. uh kind of uh R&D'd and uh made these light boxes with another company called uh Urban Visuals so we were all kind of uh in cooperation when we uh when we set out for that project and then mm-hmm. um yeah just different projects uh alongside with him worked with uh Douglas Copeland and uh for a couple of his mm-hmm. jokes and uh, Judy Radul, one of the pr- professors from SFU. Uh, she, uh, mm-hmm. she helped me out a lot with uh, just being a student uh, studio assistant for her and just like helping her mm-hmm. on her art installations. Mm-hmm. I remember at one point and correct me if I'm wrong, but I rem- I feel like I remember you thinking that you're going to pursue a master's degree at one point. And if that's true, why did you s- decide not to pursue that? Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, that's a, and actually, you know what? It's uh, I find that interesting because um, I I was going to pursue a master's, and uh, during that moment, I I've I was already worked about a, about a year and a half in the video game industry because uh, over time from doing all the freelance art, I uh, ended up getting an opportunity to start doing uh, camera work for video games, 
And mm-hmm. so uh, I was, there was a bit of a slump in the jobs that were coming in. And uh, I kind of thought, oh, maybe I can like uh, study some virtual reality or I can like go in for this, uh, for this interactive arts degree for, for mm-hmm. getting my master's. And so I went through the job application or the, I guess not job, but through the application for the master's and like uh, was ready to roll for it. But I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just started talking to everybody uh, that was already a, like a, residing at that at that uh, at the university, and they're all pretty much gunning for the jobs that I was always already working at. So, oh really? Yeah, so, so when you're like, this won't actually help my career? Um, yeah, it was it was a it was a fifty fifty. I'm 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 very sure it did. It would help tons of people, but uh, mm-hmm. you know, I it's I almost I already had the foot in the door for a lot of companies. Yeah. So. Um, a friend of mine had a job offer for me in Toronto and I decided mm-hmm. to do that over, go to my master's and I haven't regretted it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. No, I know. And it's funny actually that you mentioned that. Cause I remember you moving to Toronto and that was actually, you're part of the reason that me and Josh ended up moving to Toronto. Cause you said so many amazing things about it and how there's so much opportunity and you loved the city. So it's fun. I love that place. I know. Here, but... Should move back. It's a lot of fun here. <laughs> a lot of things happening on this side of the. Coast I know now. you got you got stuff going on in Vancouver. That's fair. Um, that's interesting. That's really interesting because I actually remember um, uh, right after uh, finishing film school, and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I knew I did not want to do freelancing or really I think I'm just like I don't think I'm cut out for most of these film jobs. I just don't think that right. fits with my personality. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just took me five years and a degree and thousands of dollars to figure that out, but that's okay. Um, and I remember talking to a bunch of people and I think talking to some of our professors and lots of them were like, Oh, you don't know what you want to do. Maybe you should do a film masters. And I was really considering it. And honestly, I, I guarantee the reason I didn't pursue a master's in film studies or filmmaking was because I just didn't want to take on all of that debt like that. And also I'm just like, I don't know if this actually will help my career. I think this is just kind of, if I were to do it, it wouldn't be to get my foot in the door. It'd be to delay, you know, my reality in adult life. So I didn't pursue that it. That was a bit of a fear but, I have too. It was, um, yeah. I, there was definitely like, uh, like a, a big lure and interest in like uh, doing research and working with new interactive technologies. But then, you know, it's uh, it, it it was one of those things where I wasn't going to be getting scholarships. It would be coming out of my pocket at the end. So it's just another accumulation exactly. of debt. Where, I mean, like I do feel like you'd still learn a lot while you're working on the workforce. So it, it was exactly, it was, it was kind of a, it was kind of one of those situations where the, the other side just looked a little bit brighter with a, with a bit of financial support. So I was like, okay, perhaps this is yeah. better out for today. Exactly. So um, you kind of did the freelancing and then you got into the video game industry. At what point in your um early career did you seriously start thinking about tackling your debt was it kind of when things were just a bit more stable in your career yeah um you know it wasn't actually too long ago it was about uh i guess two years ago now where i just mm-hmm. was i was just paying the minimum uh amounts and just uh it was just slowly chipping at it and it was i just saw it as like a looming like five yeah. thing and it just kept on it was kept on being there and like uh yeah, it was. I just thought it was like kind of important for me to take care of, just like just for myself. 
and mm-hmm. uh you know like you always hear like how how much like the average student has this much debt in and uh you know like uh like i was even reading like uh, a cvc thing today or mm-hmm. not even today just like last week about like um how uh some students didn't even realize that they had to pay back their loans and it's just like are you kidding me yeah. oh my gosh uh, well apparently a lot of uh some students have their have their parents like uh do all the the co-signing and signing up and setting up of the loans that there's no mm-hmm. real thought of hey we have to pay this back that's scary. scary and that that really worries me that there's like i know there's a definite need for financial literacy in young people today but that scares me that some students will take on this debt and, you know, graduate and be like, what? I have to pay back $50,000. Wait, what? How do I even get that amount of money? Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I kind of like, you know, going back to like, to, to, to my debt, I would just, I kind of looked at mm-hmm. it at one point and I was like, you know, I just want to, I just want to tackle it. Just want to, want to clear it as quick as I possibly can. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you know how long it would have taken you to pay it off? If you had just done the minimum payment. Oh yeah. Like probably six or seven years, maybe. Really? And you were able to tackle it in how long? About a year and a half. Wow. Yeah. Just think of all the interest you saved on that too. Like that's crazy. (laughs) I mean, so so much money you saved (laughs) by paying it off early. And then I think that's another thing that people don't realize. They're like, okay, I have to pay it back. But they don't realize that, okay, the longer you take to pay it off, the more money you're actually going to be paying, just like a mortgage, like there's interest involved. Yeah. You're, you're going to want to tackle it as soon and as, as aggressive as you can, especially when you're young, I find, because you can keep your living costs quite low. So it doesn't seem as, you know, like you're sacrificing that much. But I feel like as you get older, that's, you know, and you maybe have a family or you have a mortgage or a car or whatever, right. it just gets a bit more expensive and it gets a little bit trickier, I think, to just pay it off as quickly as you want to. Yeah, no, I agree. And that was, it was at that moment too, where, you know, um, my overhead costs were, weren't as much as they had been in previous years. Uh, I mm-hmm. went to, I moved into a smaller house and it only cost me about like $500 a month for, nice. for that. And that's like heat uh, that's electricity. Mm-hmm. So I, I took a lot of those decisions to try to like really cut down what my overhead was. Like I, I took my car off insurance, started mm-hmm. biking everywhere. It like all those, all those small decisions really did uh bull up to getting through the, through that debt uh, a lot quicker. Mm-hmm. And do you find that um, by making those like little changes of like biking everywhere and just kind of uh, cutting some of your costs, did you find in general that it affected your, com- you know, how comfortable you were in life or how how happy you are? Uh, no, I, I'd say uh, there was there's always there's always like that that one rough night where you 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 curse at TransLink because the bus just left as you're running up towards mm-hmm. it, but like in general, it's uh it's it's been great because I think well. I know that Toronto and Vancouver have pretty good cyclist communities and uh, mm-hmm. the roads here for, for cycling are fantastic. You get that extra fresh air. And I mean, like time wise, yes, like you, you are investing, you're, you're going to be spending a lot more time on, on the cycle, but uh, the rewards out of it are, are pretty good. I mean, you, you mm-hmm. get, uh, I don't know. It depends. Cause I actually, I subway, so I have to pay, um, I, I can't remember how much it is, 140 bucks or something for a TTC monthly pass. Yeah. And Josh, uh, bikes to work and he, he works relatively close to where I 
uh, work and my commute is about 45 minutes door to door on the subway. And he says it takes him like 15 to 20 minutes on his bike. (laughs) So he actually saves time by biking. He probably gets to his work quicker than most people using a car. So true. It's uh, it's uh, for me every once in a while. It's that uphill when you just like look. Oh yeah, that's true. You have hills in Vancouver. We don't have those. (laughs) You got that slow dip towards the CN tower or the beach. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's so true. Um, so after, so you aggressively took like a, a year or a year and a half to pay it off. And mm-hmm. once you paid it off, what did you do to, I, I feel like the, the one significant thing when it comes to debt payoff is it's important to obviously pay it off. But I think lots of people don't realize, um, what life is after debt and lots of people can kind of get into those bad habits, especially the, uh, the people that got into consumer debt, not so much student loan debt. Right. They don't really know how to handle life after debt and they may get into those bad habits again to get back into debt. So what are kind of things that you've done to kind of safeguard yourself getting back into debt and to um, start now, you know, from zero building up your savings so you can think about your future? Wow. Yeah. That that term life after debt, that is interesting. Yeah. no, (laughs) I hear you because like uh, the first while it was it felt so good. And it kind of felt, and it does steal, it always feels like you have like a bit of like a, a fire in your pocket. So it's like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like, um, I, I, I literally just take, I try to take as much as I can still and, uh, put that into a TFSA. And, um, mm-hmm. like right now I haven't found the best route for, uh, investments. Um, I kind of wanted mm-hmm. to like sit down for us, uh, like a, a weekend and really kind of go through what's is what's the best kind of road to do that. But uh, yeah. so far, just, just to get the ball rolling, I just, I just toss everything into a TFSA and that way it's outside of the checkings. It's something that I'd have to go yep. into the bank and be like, I demand this money. So it's, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's helpful for me in that sense, like just off the card into some other accounts so I can just like still manage and still budget as if I am paying off the loan. Mm-hmm. Just try to mm-hmm. And I think that's that's a great way to do it, I think, is to, you know, especially when you're like, I'm, I'm not ready for investing, but I um, I'm done with the debt repayment. I guess the a good first step would just be to building up a really good cushion or emergency fund. So you do have a good chunk of change in case something does happen. Right. You can pay in cash. You don't have to use your credit card and get into debt again. Yeah. And then once you've kind of reached a certain um, dollar amount, like for me, I always um, when I was just starting out, I wanted to make sure I had $10,000 in, um, savings in cash. Yep. And then I wanted to pursue investing. Cause I'm like, well, if something happens, like I have to go back to school or something, or I get laid off and I need money, I want to have a good chunk of change so I can live and not rely on, um, credit. So I think that's a really smart thing that you're doing. And it's exciting that, you know, the next step is then once you reach that, um, goal is to pursue investing, whatever makes the, the most sense for you and your future plan. Yeah. So that actually kind of brings me to my next question. What kind of, you know, now that you've, uh, you're like financially free, as we say in the personal finance community, what are kind of some of the dreams or goals you have for your future? Like, do you have an idea of, I don't know, some things that maybe you didn't think you'd be able to do? Like maybe you can buy some property, maybe you can go on a nice vacation or think more specifically about retirement. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a lot there, Jeff. <laughs> this is a big question. Yeah. I know, I know, I know. Um, let's say 
on a on just like on a side note too um on top of like the on top of tossing things to savings i always i always had the thought especially with doing contracts and doing freelance work i always tried to keep mm-hmm. a minimum safety net within my checkings and that was always about like three months or four months of like uh of just like rent or just yeah. like the minimums where if work never came up you could you could get by for a couple of months mm-hmm. and, and i guess still yeah that is kind of it. the tricky thing sorry um that is kind of the the tricky thing about working as a freelancer and working on contracts you have to always have some kind of safety net yeah so that was just like it's just a small thing where it's just like I, I always thought that was really important because i have like i have dipped into that before where you're like you're months in and you haven't gotten any work and you're like okay it's like this is this is my red line i really have to get a job at this kind of point so that's always been, mm-hmm. that's always been a thing as well mm-hmm. and i remember you mentioning i think this was um Maybe you were still living in Toronto, but you thought there was like one opportunity that was you, you were talking to some people and you're like, I think, you know, I might have another contract in a couple months. So I'm just kind of kind of waited out in Toronto and then I don't think it ever happened. Yeah. And then you, had a, you mo- chose to move back to Vancouver. So I bet that safety net really helped you in those instances where you think you have a pretty good idea of like, no, 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 I think this is going to you know happen. And then it just doesn't because that is life. Life just you know, throws you curveballs like exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, yeah, definitely. So you just, cause you can't really expect the unexpected. So it's like, it's always good just to have a little bit in case. So that was like, mm-hmm. yeah, cause it, it did end up coming to bite me where I uh, thought I had a contract, uh, set in stone and, uh, turned out that they just didn't need, did, just didn't need me. So it was, it kind of left me hanging. And like, at that point mm-hmm. I was, uh, transitioning to move. So it was mm-hmm. hitting that red button and being like, okay, maybe moving is not the best decision. Maybe I should try to find uh, work here on the West Coast still before plunging myself right. <laughs> somewhere or somewhere that's like a little bit like, even though I lived there for a bit, still kind of foreign to me. And just like mm-hmm. the risks were a, were a bit high at that point. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so back to your future plans, if you right. have any. <laughs> I know it's so crazy, but like I do love, I do love traveling. I want to, uh, mm-hmm. I want to see a lot of places. So my thought was, uh, is to at least make one trip per year and try to do that on a budget. You know, because you can still mm-hmm. Airbnb and you can still find the like the good places to go without having to be like full on tourists and uh, mm-hmm. hit all those, hit all those uh, benchmarks. But um, so traveling is very important, but also the idea of retirement is pretty important to me as well, because, mm-hmm. you know, honestly, like, I don't think I'm going to have a pension. I, I no, I yeah, I, I know. I hear you. <laughs> I think we pay into some kind of retirement plan, but I don't, <laughs> it's like it's. Yeah, I wouldn't rely on the CPP or anything like that. I, 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 and I, I feel like I, I knew that once I started looking into personal finance when I was like 25 and knew I was probably going to work in, I thought I was going to work in the arts industry. I'm like, so I'm never going to get like a, a pension from a company or anything. So I have to just fund my whole retirement. So that kind of honestly put the fire in my belly because that scared the crap out of me. Yeah, no, it does for me too. Cause like, uh, I think, I think I'll always have a good job in, in, mm-hmm. in this, uh, in this industry, in the arts industry, but there's always, there's always like a hundred new people every single year graduating that were in my shoes yep. years ago where that have far better ideas than I do at this prompt moment right now. But it's like, mm-hmm. at least I have like a, a good, a good solid foundation of my work and I, I know how to do what I do well. 
and I'm, you know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's one of those things like how, how long can I ride this? And is, is this something that could be a lifelong career? I really think. Yeah. And I'm, I'm sure it can. I absolutely, you're very talented. Oh, for sure. <laughs> Believe me, I'm digging for compliments. That's horrible. I know. No, you're not. <laughs> Jesus. Um, no, no, I, I agree. I think you need to really, um, you know, not prepare for things to go well. I know that sounds really pessimistic, but you really do have to, you know, prepare for the worst if it were, because you just never know what's going to happen. You also, you also know, you don't know how long you're going to live. You don't know right. how your health is going to be. So another thing you should probably look into, and I'm going to bug you about this after is disability insurance, right. just, just in case you don't get it through your work. Cause that's another thing that uh, Josh is actually, um, I'm going to have to bug him about because oh, okay. he, yeah, he needs to get that. But yeah, lots of things that you need to just kind of, you know, they're annoying things and they're things like, oh, that's not a problem in my world right now because I'm, you know, in my late 20s, early 30s. But some, you know, things that we do need to, you know, think about. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, I'm going to have to hit you up for all that information because honestly, like. Oh, yeah, I got some good book suggestions for okay. you. Okay. Yeah, because, like, <laughs> you know, it's like it's it's ridiculous to still like be 30 years old and still feel like a fledgling when it comes to like, what are you supposed to do with your money? How are you supposed to save Mm -hmm. this thing? So it's uh, any information is good information for me. Mm -hmm. Which is why I'm I'm doing this podcast and sharing these stories is because I feel like the one thing that a, a lot of us, especially millennials didn't get growing up was this financial education. We had to educate ourselves and sometimes it's later than we want to. Um, and I think it's something that we really need to, yeah, talk openly about. So we know, you know, what to do, what not to do. And, and so money and the future isn't so scary. Yeah. 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 Yeah, Definitely. Well, yeah. Awesome. Well, is there, before we go, is there any kind of advice you would give, um, for let's say, um, current students or young people that are thinking about pursuing a job in either the film industry or the arts is there any kind of advice that you would give them like things that maybe you did and you wish you didn't or you know things that you did and they were very helpful yeah i think the number one thing like i said prior was like the having like that that safety net of just like a few months rent always always saved my back that was something that constantly saved me and that was like and i had to learn how to do that because like the first couple of months outside of uh outside of school it was like i was i was so close to you know calling back home and be like please mom i need, yeah. some, I need some more money but it's <laughs> you know it's it was it was something that took some time to like really kind of get into that mindset where it's just like suddenly I have this money, like now I'm going to go spend some, spend it on something crazy. It's like, no, use that towards a possibility that you might not get this kind of job again. <laughs> so exactly. that's always been, that was always the biggest thing for me. And I think it helped me out with a lot of, uh, a lot of, in a lot of circumstances. It, I mean, mm-hmm. and it, it doesn't mean that you can't treat yourself. It just means yeah. like, uh, that, you know, you just got to like, kind of just tighten, tighten things up a bit. Yeah. And just be more conscious of what you're actually spending your money on. Like I still, whenever I buy something, even if it's little, it's like, Jessica, do you actually need this? Are you going to remember buying this in a day? (laughs) If not, maybe you shouldn't buy it. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's, um, 
Yeah, for me too. It's it's I, it has to have some kind of utility. I mean, like, or else mm-hmm. it's delicious, delicious food, <laughs> which can be. I know. I love my food. Delicious. I spend a lot of money on food. Financial suck it. at this moment. I know. <laughs> ah, it's not good. I know, man. Oh, well, thank you, Riley, for joining me on the show. It was a pleasure chatting. Well, with thank you. you for having me, Jess. You are welcome anytime. Right on, right on. I can't wait to hear more podcasts from you. Once again, thank you so much for listening to episode 28 of the Mo Money Podcast. Remember, if you want to check out the show notes for this episode, all you have to do is go momoneymohouses.com slash 28. And if you like what you hear, I hope you do make sure to send me a nice email, a tweet, I don't know, an iTunes review or a Stitcher review. That would be awesome. So thanks again for listening and I will see you back here next Wednesday. This podcast is distributed by the Women in Media Podcast Network. Find out more at womeninmedia.network.